0: Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you back to our third session of Life After Life. This is our course that explores what happens next because we know what this is. Maybe I should say we have no idea what this is, but we have less idea what that is because, well, we have no knowledge of that and we have really no way of knowing that in our current state of being. So. The objective of this course is to explore the other side, what lies beyond what happens when we cross over from a uniquely Jewish perspective. There's a lot of information out there from other sources. There's a lot. But what does Judaism say about life, death, the afterlife, transitions, crossing over, heaven and hell, reincarnation, resurrection? That's that's what we're doing. That's this course. So, tonight, we're going to focus on reincarnation. So, uh, you know the story about the guy who went to his health insurance? And, and he asked, he had a bill, so he submitted it to insurance. The guy who believed in uh, reincarnation. They said, they're not going to cover it. He said, why? They said, well, you have a pre-existing condition. Jerry, not even... Not, no, not even? Unbelievable. All right, listen. I'm going to recover from this. Don't worry. Um, you know, last night I spent 2000 bucks on a reincarnation seminar. I figured, hey, you know, what the heck? You only live once. No, nope, not even. That one? Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Perfect. All right, good, good. One out of two ain't bad, batting 500. All right, so tonight's topic, once again, reincarnation. So let's explain how we got here, how we, how we got to this topic. So last week, we explored heaven and hell, and we explained that the Jewish notion of hell is really Gehenna. It's not a destination. It's, uh, it's a pass-through. It's, it's a stage. It's called purgatory. It's where the soul is purged of its corporeal connections and its misdeeds, indiscretions, anything that it experienced whilst attached to a physical body. So, on various levels, you know, to each soul on its own, based on its own experience, it needs to be shaken free from anything that has stuck with it um, from its sojourn on earth. And we also learned about heaven. We learned that heaven is the place where the soul, having been freed of all material limitation, the soul is now free to indulge itself in its true space, in where it really belongs, which is a spiritual environment. It's kind of like coming home after being in a, in a foreign land, after being in a different place. That sense of belonging, that sense of comfort, that sense of, of connection is real for the soul and that is what we call heaven. And all of that, that was last week, but all of that might have evoked the next question, which is, well, is that the end of the soul's journey? Does the soul just come into the body, spend some time here, leave the body, go through the cleansing process of purgatory and end up in heaven? Is that it? Or is there is there yet another chapter to be written? Does the soul, having left the body, having gone through purgatory and arrived in heaven, does the soul ever have an opportunity to come back down to earth once again? In other words, put in different words, in more relevant terms or practical terms, in reference to tonight's class, does Judaism believe in the notion of reincarnation? And if yes, Is the Jewish notion of reincarnation any different than perhaps the Eastern teachings on on reincarnation? So, like I mentioned before, and I mentioned in the previous sessions, our goal is not simply to discuss topics the way they're discussed out there in the world, but specifically to discuss these topics, these afterlife topics, the way they are explained and, and, and taken apart within the Jewish tradition. We're going to look at authentic Jewish texts ranging from classic Jewish sources to classic Jewish mystical sources, sources of Kabbalah, to arrive at hopefully a clear picture of what reincarnation is from a Jewish perspective. And in the process, we're going to hopefully debunk a lot of misconceptions. Again, there's a lot of other ideas out there, and the goal is to get clarity on this. One more thing that I want to mention before we jump in, and that is knowing about the afterlife in general, but tonight's class specifically, knowing about, learning about reincarnation is not just useful to know what will happen or might happen, you know, in a little while, but it can impact, radically impact, the way we live our lives right now in the here and now. In other words, the knowledge and understanding and appreciation for what reincarnation means for the soul at a future time can radically change and alter the way we live our lives today. That is really the objective. It's not just to know, but it's to take to heart and to be impacted by it in the here and now. So we have a lot to cover tonight. Let's begin.
1: Uh, Can I ask you two quick questions, really?
0: Yes, go ahead, sure.
1: Very fast. Um, Does, is this based on Kabbalah or based on regular Judaism, or are they both the same?
0: They're both the same.
1: do other religions believe in the same things we're teaching? That's, or a, is
0: it that's, a, different? that's a great question. My understanding, I'm not, I'm still working on the Judaism part, so I can't speak for any other faith or any other spiritual tradition. I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing my best to, to faithfully represent Judaism, but I'll let you know when I can give you a comprehensive take uh, you know, uh, on, on other faiths. But my, my, my unprofessional, my non-expert Understanding of other takes on reincarnation is that it's very different, those are very different than the Jewish notion. So, that's my you know, um, unofficial let's put it that way, unofficial uh, reply to that is Judaism is very unique. Okay, and uh, yeah,
1: and Kabbalah always agrees with regular Judaism.
0: Yeah, yeah, Kabbalah just speaks of you know, when we say regular Judaism, so many people think of you know, Torah, Talmud, um, the, the Jewish legal text, those do a great job of telling you, you know, what to do if your cow gores someone else's cow, yeah, if your animal injures another animal, you know, with liability and how to observe Passover. But the spirit of Judaism, right, the soul of Judaism and the soul of human beings, that's, that's, the, that's the role of, of Kabbalah. So Kabbalah and... What we would call the soul of Torah complements perfectly the body of Torah and fits together in in, in in perfect sync. It doesn't mean that everything that you see, I don't mean you specifically, but everything that one sees printed or published written in the name of Jewish mysticism is authentic. It's You have to always look at the source, look at Where is it coming from and who's presenting it? Obviously, like in everything, in every area in life. But assuming that it's legit from Jewish mysticism, it's absolutely authentic Jewish teachings.
1: So Kabbalah is a part of Judaism, I mean a portion of Judaism, and it does not conflict with regular, I mean the rest of Judaism.
0: Correct, correct. Yes. Now, let's jump in to, uh, to further explore this topic. There are tons of questions surrounding reincarnation such as, on a very practical level, how do we know if this is our first time on Earth? Yeah, how would we know that? Um, why would a soul, if reincarnation is a thing, what would trigger reincarnation? Like, what would, what would be the cause of reincarnation? Um, if reincarnation is real, and let's say, I, I have a reincarnated soul, then how come I don't remember my past lives? Um, and the last question that we might ask is, if reincarnation is a thing, Right, if souls are reincarnated, then when do they actually spend time relaxing, chilling in uh, in heaven? When does that happen if they're being reincarnated and recycled? But that's all of those are specific questions which we will answer all of them tonight. But I want to start with a broader question, the broader question that I mentioned earlier, and that is is Judaism, sorry, is reincarnation a Jewish thing and if so, what does it mean Jewishly? So I need to tell you this. There's been a lot of discussion amongst the Jewish scholars about reincarnation. A lot of discussion, a lot of ink has been written on this topic. Um, Jewish mystics and philosophers with different opinions, some were a little bit less keen on the notion of reincarnation. In other words, they were a little bit more skeptical about reincarnation. Others were more gung-ho about reincarnation. One thing is for sure many philosophers, many scholars, Jewish scholars, Jewish philosophers, and the Kabbalists very, very strongly um, uh, uh, talk about this notion or the notion of reincarnation. The works of Kabbalah specifically are filled with teachings, stories, and other lessons about reincarnation. One of the foremost Um, exponents of reincarnation is the great Arizal, Rabbi Isaac or Yitzchak Luria, the 16th century mystic who lived in Tzfat, in Safed, Israel. And he takes a really powerful uh, take, he takes a powerful um, uh, um, angle on reincarnation and explains it in a really beautiful way, in a way that radically differs From many other, again, in my non-professional understanding, many other perspectives on reincarnation, which actually leads me to say the following: It's very possible that that the Jewish scholars, who wrote things um, to the effect that we don't really believe in reincarnation, may very well have been directly addressing the Eastern perspective the Eastern teachings on reincarnation. And in response to, well, let's just call it the not-Jewish take on reincarnation. And in response to the non-Jewish take on reincarnation, they likely wrote that we don't believe in reincarnation, meaning we don't believe in that form of reincarnation. But there is a form of reincarnation that Judaism absolutely believes in, that Kabbalah speaks extensively about. We're going to focus tonight... On many of the teachings of the AriZal, but know that these are these teachings are found in other sources, many other sources, as well. Okay, so let's look at the Kabbalistic understanding of reincarnation, and it all goes back to the Hebrew word for reincarnation, which is Gilgul. If you want to spell it in English, um, you know what? I'll open up the chat box right now. I'm going to type it out so you can see it. Gil. Oops. Gilgul. Boom. Check your chat. G-I-L-G-U-L. Gil Gul. In the Hebrew, see if I can pull up a Hebrew keyboard. We'll uh, we'll make things fancy schmancy right now. Let's get this going. Hebrew. Um, And it's interesting, when you look at the Hebrew, you look at the Hebrew, a Hebrew keyboard is not popping up correctly. Okay, we'll take a break on that. We'll see when it comes up. If, if I can get that fixed, we'll, we'll get that going. But Gilgul in Hebrew is spelled Gimel Lamed, Gimel Lamed. The same two letters twice. Right? How ironic, right? You have two letters, and then it repeats itself. Right? Reincarnation. Same two letters coming back. If you enjoyed it the first time, get ready. It's coming back the second time so gilgul so what does that mean sorry go ahead um does that mean a uh, wheel or wagon yes i'm about I'm, at, I'm about to explain the hebrew meaning of the word gilgul so what does gilgul mean in hebrew so it comes from the word gal gimel spells gal gal means a wave not the wave like Remember back in the day when people used to show up in arenas and watch uh, or stadiums? No, not that wave. Like the wave of, of an ocean, the wave of an ocean is called a gal. So gal is a wave, or galgal is a sphere or a cycle. Galgal is like a sphere or a cycle. So we have this notion of wave, of sphere, of cycle, and and that's where the word Gilgul comes from. So, reincarnation then, if we just look at the Hebrew term Gilgul, right, related to Gal or or, um, Galgal, reincarnation might seem like the recycling of souls, where it's the same souls coming back again and again and again. Think about the ocean wave. What happens, right? How How are waves produced? So, the tide comes in. And then it comes back out, and then it goes back in, and then it goes back out, right? There's there's an ebb and a flow, a movement and a return. So the water comes in and it crashes, and then the ocean pulls it back, and then it comes back in, and it's pulled back again. And you would think that perhaps that's the Jewish take on reincarnation. Souls come in, they're taken out, they come back in. Same souls, different bodies, a new chance. Or like Gal Gal, like a wheel turning again and again and again. Think about the seasons. Summers again and then fall once more and then winter comes back and then spring. Right, All of uh, the cycle of the year comes back again and again and again. Same stuff, New uh, new Year, but the same, same seasons. And you would think, perhaps, this is the Jewish understanding of reincarnation. The same souls coming back again and again. But I need to tell you this, and this is, I'm going to tell this to you in a definitive fashion. This is absolutely not the Jewish understanding of reincarnation. What do I mean by this? Judaism believes and maintains that reincarnation is less a recycling of souls, the same souls coming back, and more about the rolling over of souls and by rolling over, I mean the carrying forward of one soul into the next. I want to give you an example. Remember back in the day, there was a cell phone carrier called Singular? Remember that one? Singular? It was like first AT&T, and then it was Singular, and then it was AT&T again. Yes? Yeah? Did anybody have Singular back in the day? I had Singular. And you know what I loved about Singular? I love the fact that they had this great promotion called Rollover Minutes. You know what Rollover Minutes were? It was great. So back in the day before Unlimited Minutes, so maybe you may, you, may, you, you might have a plan that doesn't have Unlimited Minutes, so you might be able to relay, but let's say you bought a plan that gave you 1,000 minutes a month. Yeah, so if you go over a thousand minutes, oh you're nickel and dime. 30 cents a minute now. Now you're now your bill's gonna like now astronomical. So you wanna be under the thousand. What happens if you only use seven hundred and fifty minutes that month? So most carriers would say, I guess we're even. You paid 50 bucks, you got a thousand minutes. You only use 750, oh well, good, I mean you didn't use it. All right, next month, start again thousand minutes. Nope. Singular said, here's a promotion. Obviously they wanted more business. They said, look, if you only use 750 minutes, you're not gonna lose those 250. We're gonna take the 250 and roll it over into the next month, right? So if in July you only use 750, then in August you now have 1250 minutes. Wow, you should know back in the day I had such a collection of minutes rolled over. I couldn't have used it had I left the phone off the hook. Probably for the whole month, I wouldn't be able to use it. I had so many rollover minutes, whatever. Listen, you know, how, how, how long can you speak already? So I had rollover minutes and they were accruing until at some point I switched carriers and that was it. And I lost everything. But I got unlimited, so I guess it doesn't matter. Anyway, getting back to the point oh, Verizon has rollover data. There you go, thank you. If I wanna, <laughs> thanks James. If I wanna, um, if I want some nostalgia, some old school. So. So, look, so, what's, so what does it mean about, so what does rollover mean? It doesn't mean that it's the same thousand minutes, it's the same, it, you're doing the same month again. No, it's you're taking a piece, an unused piece, an untapped potential of the prior month and you're moving it, you're, 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 you're moving it forward into a brand new month. In a very similar way, it's actually shockingly similar, right? Who knew that singular was a bunch of Kabbalists, right, and and, and scholars? In a very similar way is the Jewish notion of reincarnation. What is reincarnation? It's simply this. Every soul has many things that it's supposed to accomplish here on earth. Whatever is not finished gets rolled over into... Not the same soul, but a new soul. I'll say it one more time. Every soul has multiple things that it needs to do. If, it, if it's missing, if it doesn't fulfill all of its things, all of its pieces, all the pieces of its mission, then those sparks, I'll use the language of Kabbalah. You'll see it in the, inside the text as I shared. Those untapped sparks are rolled forward or rolled into a new soul which shares the purpose or carries forward the purpose that was unfulfilled from the previous soul. Kind of like a new month, right? La kind of like the new month of cell phone service which into it is rolled in some minutes from the prior month, but it's still a new month. You get full thousand minutes plus some additional from the prior month. Let's look inside, I, I'm sure you have questions, maybe you have questions. Um, Hold on, I'm, I'm going to get to all the questions soon. I see some questions. Um, hold on, hold on. Let me share my screen. You, 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 you have this probably on your own, but I'm going to share it and I'm going to read it and we're going to discuss it together. This is coming from the teachings of the Arizal. You should know this. The Arizal, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, did not write. He just taught. His students wrote. primary student was Rabbi Chaim Vital. Well, you can see right here. Why is it like that? Rabbi Chaim Vital was a primary student of the Arizal. He wrote down many of the teachings of the Arizal in, in books, including this book called Shar Hal Gil Gulim, which means the gate of reincarnation. Um, so it's literally about reincarnation, this book. So here's what he writes. Know that even though you will find frequently find references in many places stating This person was reincarnated into that one and subsequently into someone else. Do not err by thinking that the original soul is the one that is reincarnated over and over. Listen to that. Look at what he says. Do not err by thinking that the original soul is the one that is reincarnated over and over. Rather, second paragraph, every human soul is divided into an innumerable number of roots. Furthermore, every root is divided into an infinite, an infinite amount of sparks. In every reincarnation, some of the sparks are rectified. The sparks that were rectified ascend to Gan Eden, paradise, heaven, and dwell in the level appropriate for them. However, those sparks that were not rectified are reincarnated in order to be rectified. Let me explain what's going on. Imagine a soul, your soul, right? It's comprised of, let's give a nice number, uh, I am I want to go big, but not too big. Let's say it has 100,000 sparks. Sparks means individual points of contact and individual points of purpose that your soul is meant to accomplish here on earth. Let's say there's, there's 100,000. Let's make it easier. Let's say there's 1,000. <laughs> I've lowered the bar now right? Thousand things, a thousand primary things that you need to accomplish. Now, you don't know exactly when those things are, right? I mean, life is like Super Mario Brothers. You don't know when there's going to be a coin, right? You can't start the level again and again. No, that's not, right? You don't know whether those, remember that, who, do, okay, by raise of hand, Played Super Mario Brothers, yes? Familiar? I just want to know who my audience is. Don't feel bashful. Okay, maybe some of you. All right, you know those little tube things with the little flower that will eat you? You don't know if going there is a good thing or not a good thing until you go there. So, you know, life is trial and error. You never know. You never know until you know. So there are there are moments of purpose, moments of spark interaction. You have a thousand, let's say, I'm giving a round number here, a thousand things, core things that your soul needs to accomplish here on earth. You don't know when, you don't know when, with whom, you don't know how, but you know because now you know, because I'm telling you, that you have things to accomplish here on Earth. You have a purpose and a mission. Now let's say, oh, this is good that we're using a 1,000, because it matches up. Let's say out of the 1,000, you got 750. Did a fantastic job. 75%, that's pretty good. That's a pretty decent average, right? 70, you're batting 750, not bad at all, my friend. You got 750 primary sparks in your, during your lifetime. Fantastic. What about the other 250? What happens? What happens now? So the Arizal says, God doesn't send back the whole soul. That doesn't make any sense. Well, you're going to send back the whole soul because it's missing some sparks or, or, or it has some unfulfilled pieces of, of the soul. It doesn't make sense to recycle the soul again and again. So what happens? What happens? Rather, he says... Right? Let me now that I'm not sharing the screen, I have to look at my printout. He says, rather, ah, those sparks that were not rectified, those are reincarnated again. In other words, those are, like I said before, rolled into into what? A new soul. Another soul. Or more precisely, like a candle lighting another candle, the original soul lights a new soul, right? Lights a new branch or graft soul that has its own identity, plus carrying over the residuals of the previous soul's experience, i.e. the unfulfilled, untapped sparks. Does that make sense what I just said? Yes? Yes, I'm not getting a strong reaction here. Yes, no? All right, listen. I I don't mind saying it again. Listen, I'm I'm just, I'm taking the temperature. It's hard to tell without mics on. Look, here's the simple point. Judaism does not believe that the same soul is coming back in new bodies. It's not like there's soul A that was in body A, body B, body C, body D, body E, no. The soul A is in body A. When it leaves, it's done. It doesn't come back. Parts of soul A that were not yet tapped or fulfilled They roll into soul B, and soul B comes back, or comes down.
1: Rabbi, quick.
0: Yeah, Barry, go ahead.
1: Barry, so um, using your example, 1,250, 750. Yeah. Does that 250, that quarter of the soul, theoretically, or non-theoretically, go to a roll into another single soul, or can that be distributed 250 ways, or an infinite number of ways with fragments? Or is that Ex- a ridiculous
0: question? No, no, it's an excellent question. The sources that we have indicate that it goes into one additional soul. In other words, that it's, it lights one additional candle, which is the primary carrier of whatever was unfulfilled, Plus, again, this is the big, the big idea: new sparks, new, 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 uh, new goals, new missions. So, if we want to keep it thousand, so we would say that the 250 that was untapped rolls into, or grafts, or branch. You know, like think about a branch. I'm using grafts and branch. So, imagine a branch. Right, you have one branch, and then from the branch, there's an offshoot. There's another branch that comes out. So, th- imagine that offshoot now has is is, is taking from. The 250 that was untapped, and then it has its own 750. So it has now its own identity, with a little bit of history, with a little bit of uh, of unfinished business that it needs to take care of. Which becomes, you know, again, the numbers may be off, right? So it may not be a thousand. It may be smaller or larger, and the amount that, that's unfulfilled may be smaller or larger. This is the the number that I gave. So, but I, but I don't want you to think that. Um, I don't want you to get it stuck in the numbers because these are just random numbers that I threw out. The bottom line is it's very possible that a person who is living this life right now has a very important, or very important plural, things, sparks, that they have yet to uncover, to tap in, uh, to tap into. And that constitutes the primary purpose of their life right now. Not that they don't have other things to do, new things, but that there's some unfinished business, unfulfilled potential. We're going to talk about this in great detail very soon. Different under, different uh, examples of this, and I'm going to tell you stories that they're taught about about all these different examples. So we'll get there soon. Um, but but it's very possible that the primary purpose of a person's existence right now is finishing up some of those uh, is the unfinished business from, from a prior incarnation. Does that make sense, Barry? I, the short answer to your question is it's not going, it's not being split into a million different directions or 250 different souls. It's primarily igniting one carrier soul that's carrying on its legacy and, uh, and finishing unfinished business. The, the amazing thing about, yeah, sorry?
1: No, just one, one quick follow-up related sure. to that. That... And- Reincarnation happens proximate to where your soul existed or distributed across anywhere, across Israel, the Jewish people.
0: It could be distributed anywhere. And it could be distributed at any time. There's no, you know, one thing that we have to know about God is that God is not in a rush. When I say that, it's like when you're timeless, right, when time is not a thing, when time is not a limitation, so you got a lot of time in your hands. It's kind of like why God gave us the Torah and then said, you're on your own. Right? It's like, what's Nelson Mandela's book? The slow, the long walk to freedom or slow march to freedom, something like that. It takes a while. God said in the Torah, like, don't be a, don't have slaves, essentially. And human beings, we're still figuring that out, right? We're still figuring, God says at the beginning that every uh, human being was created in the image of God. And we're still working on it. So the point is that God, God waits for us, God has time. So the same thing with reincarnation, sometimes things take time. And the, here's the, the next wild point, and that is that imagine, let's use the example, 1,000, 250, un, untapped sparks, and now it goes into a new soul. Let's take the same numbers. 250 from the previous incarnation, 750 from the new, so now it's a new identity with some unfinished business, and now let's say it also only does 750, but maybe a combination of some of the new, some of the old. Are you with me on what's going on? So what happens now? You got another incarnation, another reincarnation, and it can keep on going. And that's kind of why we're all still here because there's still unfinished business. I mean, that's the way Kabbalah explains. There's still unfinished business that is not yet uh, completed. You should know, I know I'm jumping ahead. We have some text about this, and we're going to get into all the text inside in a moment. But what is Mashiach? What is the Messianic era? It is quite literally the time when all of the sparks have been accessed and have been uplifted, tapped into, and released. In other words, all of the energy, all of the coins in Mario have been collected. All of the light has been created. That's what Mashiach is. Okay, Um, so, but let me just explain what I said two steps ago on a very practical level, which means that your life right now may be fulfilling some sparks of the prior incarnation, Two prior incarnations, three prior incarnations are you with me on this? yeah four prior incarnations, etc all of that could be rolled into your soul now it doesn't mean that you don't have your own identity you have your own identity you're a brand newly you're, you're a brand new newly grafted newly spawned soul with some history right with some history you got some fossils in there I'm not going to say baggage, but you got some uh, I, I just did, but I don't mean baggage. I mean you have some, you have some uh, some history. Okay, make sense so far? We're just we're just scratching the surface of this topic. Okay, let's take a look at text number text number two. Okay, I'm going to share my screen once again. I'm going to read the first part of this. These are Jewish texts. And, of course, you're going to find Jewish references, which makes sense. makes sense that rabbis would speak to their audience, their primary audience. Take a look at text number two. Once again, Rabbi Chaim Vital. And he says, it all began with one master soul, the soul of Adam, which included the souls of all future souls. Subsequently, again, this is the Jewish story, subsequently this master soul passed on to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then was divided among the 12 tribes. The soul was then further subdivided among the 70 souls of the descendants of Jacob that went to Egypt, and then among the 600,000 who left Egypt. In other words, the point of all of this is that, again, in the Jewish story, and, of course, everyone has their own specific mission. Jews have their own specific mission, which, as we'll see soon, involves the 613 mitzvot or commandments, The point that you need to know is that there's a process by which one soul becomes many souls. This is true biologically, where you have one person or two people that then give birth to more people, which then give birth to more people, right? It's this this, uh, ever-expanding, exponentially-expanding, I don't know, pyramid or whatever construct. So that's on a biological level. The same thing is true on a spiritual level, where you have souls that spawn other souls, that spawn other souls. And part of what's driving it is the unfinished business, untapped sparks, untapped potential that existed in the prior generation of souls. Now, let's, uh, let me stop sharing. So we've, we've explored two texts from the Arizal. Um, in short, the first point of tonight's class is, and this is the first big idea, that reincarnation is not a recycling of souls which would mean that the soul itself does not have rest because it's constantly being schlepped back in to the world. Judaism does not believe that. When a soul has finished, listen to my wording carefully, when a soul has finished its mission or the parts of the mission that a soul has finished, those parts are absolutely at rest. Those parts, that's it, it's done. There's a may, perhaps, unfinished business that, that, gets, that then gets rolled into a new soul, which is something else. But that which is done is done. It's not recycled. Okay. One notion. This addresses directly one notion about the Eastern understanding of reincarnation that might be troubling for some. That, and that is that we, on some level, according to other notions of reincarnation, again, I'm speaking now of the not-Jewish understanding understandings of reincarnation, according to some of those understandings, it might seem that we are somehow not our own beings. We don't have our own fully independent identities, that somehow we're repeats of someone else's life being pushed or pulled by some sort of imaginary hand in ways that are not our own doing. Um, in ways that reflect some previous life or previous reality. But the Kabbalistic notion of reincarnation categorically rejects this. Because it says that you are your own being. Your soul right now inside your body is brand new. With a little bit of history, but brand new, right? Brand new in this form, in this reality, in in this construct. It's absolutely brand new. Your soul in this state has never been on planet Earth before. This explains why, and addresses a question that we asked before, this explains why typically we don't remember past lives. You know why? Because we weren't here before. Not like this. A different soul was here, and our soul is picking up the baton, so to speak. Is carrying over some of what that soul, or souls plural, didn't finish. All of that is true. But we weren't here before, not like this, not our soul the way it is, which is why, and it makes sense why, we don't remember past, typically we don't remember past lives or previous uh, incarnations. This also explains another interesting thing regarding uh, the topic of next week's class, which is the Jewish belief in the messianic resurrection of the dead. Think about it. There's a Jewish, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because that's the focus of next week's session, but Judaism believes in this notion that at some point, all of the souls will come back. Well, if reincarnation means, uh, let me explain, all the souls will come back in bodies. So if reincarnation means that the same soul is coming back in different bodies, well then at the time of the resurrection of the dead, which body does it come back into? Are you with me on the question? And do we get to choose? right? If it's soul, if it's only one soul that's come back in 10 different bodies and now you have the resurrection of the dead. New, no. which body? Body one, body two, body three, body four, body five, body six, body seven, body eight, body nine, body ten. Which one? Which body? You had one soul, 10 bodies. Who gets to choose? Huh?
1: Body sotva.
0: The, say it again. The body sofa. It was, it,
1: was, it, was a, it was a bad joke. It was a rabbi, rabbi Ari joke. Body sofa.
0: It's an easy Oh, okay. Right. Got it. So,
1: body sofa. Yeah. The Body sofa. Right.
0: Thanks. So, so it, it would create a, it would create a question. So the answer is from a Jewish perspective, right? It's not a question. Because reincarnation doesn't mean the same soul in different bodies. What reincarnation means, it's a brand new soul, with a little unfinished business in a new body, and that is that's what's what's going to come back. So that is that is um, th- that's how that the Jewish notion of reincarnation addresses some of the challenges, if you will, with the other um, that exist in the other understandings of reincarnation. Um, I'll give you an example. Every incarnation is like a fresh piece of paper. Right? Every soul, new soul, is like a fresh, blank piece of paper. You're writing something on a, on, a, on a new piece of paper. Happens to be that your reincarnation, right, has a little bit of influence from a prior existence, so it's somehow colored by a prior experience and that kind of shapes what it is intended to do, part of what it's intended to do. It's like, you know, you have uh, paper, you could have white paper, you could have blue paper, you could have red paper, you could have green paper, or right? you could have all sorts of different colors of paper. Um, and you can write your story on, on a fresh piece of paper, but it might have a tint to the paper. The same thing is true with our souls. They're brand new, it's a new sheet of paper, so to speak but it may be a little bit colored, right, on some level by what happened in a prior experience. So it does affect us to the extent that it becomes part of what our purpose and mission is. But it doesn't define who we are in totality. It's only part of our story. And, it, uh, and it's not necessarily meant to be known in a clear and obvious way. We're meant to capitalize on the opportunities. It would be wonderful if we each came into the world with a map, You have a thousand, again, just using this example, you have a thousand sparks, thousand points of purpose, and here's what they are. Here's your checklist. Go for it. Yeah, maybe that would be fun. I don't know. Maybe that would be interesting. Maybe that would be helpful. Who knows? But that's not how God rolls it out for us. God rolls it out in a very different way. And that is, we come in, we're thrown into this world no instruction manual, no guide. Well, we have Torah, but otherwise, no specific you know, user guide, no, no app. That's it. Here you are. Do good things. Don't do things that are the opposite of good. And find your potential. We're going to speak soon, later on in the class, about how to hone in on what your purpose might be. We'll speak about that soon, a little bit later. Um, but the point is that every reincarnation, every new reincarnation is a brand new soul with a little bit of soul material. Yeah. Um, by the way, by the way, our previous incarnations do affect us. They do affect us insofar that it kind of shapes, again, subconsciously, our experiences. I'll give you an example. Two people might experience the same challenge they might be privy to the same, let's just give this example, they might be privy to the same insult, right? Two people might be insulted the same way. One person gets very offended. One person, not offended at all. You know why? It might be that the person that is getting offended, it means that there's, there's still something in that experience that they need to work on, right? There's still a spark there that they need to work on in that experience, and this is allowing them, it's an opportunity, right, to work on a piece of their own personality, refine it, make it better, and this is why that experience is happening. And the fact that it's triggering them means there's still work to do, whereas the person that says, <laughs> whatever, I'm not getting offended, you know, it's not it doesn't even register, it's not even on the radar. It's because they don't, they're not stuck in that place. That's not That's not an issue, that's not, that's not a challenge. In other words, there's no spark there that still needs to be um, extracted from that experience. It's already been done, so it already, it, it moves a little bit smoother. Does that make sense, that example that I just gave? So you can already hone in on things that you may need to work on, right, based on triggers. That's one, that's one way of, of figuring out what you need to work on is what, what, what challenges you? What gets you going? In a, in, not, in a not good way. And there may be some sparks there that you need to work on. I'll, I'll tell you a story and share a letter from the Rebbe about this that is, that will just absolutely shock you. And, uh, and, and you'll see how this, how this plays out in real time. Okay, um, oh, so we have now the basics of Jewish reincarnation. As explained primarily in Kabbalah, this notion of not recycling, but a new soul that's grafted, generated like a candle lighting another candle that has some of the influence from before. Okay. Yes.
1: So if we're a new soul, how is that different from the person no longer existing, like he died and somebody took his place?
0: Say it one more time.
1: If we're a new soul and we're not the same soul as we were before, how is that different from one person dying and another person taking his place, in which case it's not us anymore, so it's really like we kind of died?
0: Yeah, it's not us, right? It's not the same us. The us that did, it, the, the, uh, the part of us that did his job, that fulfilled its purpose, however much of its purpose is it fulfilled, that part of us still lives on in what we call um, Gan Eden, in paradise. So that part doesn't end. That part lives on in the ultimate form of connection and bliss. In other words, everything we said last week about the soul is true. And the part of the parts of the soul that fulfilled its mission are absolutely still alive and well and in a very good place. Okay. And that which is still not perfected and completed now has a new opportunity in a new context. That's it. Right. Hold on one second. One second, Rennet James.
1: That which is not yet completed is still the same person in a new soul. Correct.
0: It's not the same person in a new soul. It's <laughs> like, it's the same the same mission. It's the same mission in a new in a new soul. The same mission the in a new soul, not the same person. You it not the
1: same are percentage of the old soul. Say it again. Is it not the same percentage of the old soul?
0: It's it's some sparks of the old soul, but it's yeah. not the same personality. The personality is going to be a new soul. A new soul with some some tasks on its to-do list. From, it's like it's like if you carry if you have a uh, if you have a um, a task list for each day, and and one day you don't finish everything on your list, so the next day that becomes the first thing on your new, new list. It doesn't mean that this is not a new day. That this is the same day as before. This is absolutely a new day. Today is Tuesday and it's not Monday. Happens to be there's something I still some some unfinished business from Monday, but it doesn't make this Monday. The fact that a new soul has some sparks that it's still fulfilling doesn't make it the old soul, right? The fact that I still have to do something that I didn't finish on Monday doesn't make today Monday. It just means I'm doing something that I didn't do on Monday. I'm doing something that the previous incarnation or the previous soul didn't do.
1: Right, but you said the portion of the sparks that we did complete, like 75%, goes to some whatever the afterlife is. Right. So it's... So we still exist. It's not like we stop existing. and Somebody takes our place.
0: We can't stop existing because this, because the soul, by definition, is a piece of God. And as God lives, the soul lives. The soul cannot be. The soul is like energy that cannot be destroyed. That's right. the, that's the rule. It
1: seems like we're not existing anymore. Say it again. If it's a different soul. It doesn't seem like it's us anymore. So it seems like we're not existing anymore. Ah, uh,
0: so when that soul fulfills its purpose, those sparks go back to us.
1: Yeah, so that's good. I, that,
0: that's I- very good. That's a reunion. That's a reunion. So we're scattered, right? The original souls are a little bit scattered in, in multiple generations in multiple uh, incarnations. When a soul fulfills pr- the, the, its purpose and the prior and the, and, and, and the rollover purpose, so those sparks go back and, and reconnect with the original soul. And so when we do our purpose, it's not just benefiting ourselves. It's literally doing a benefit for a prior soul for a prior generation. And it's an incredible thing.
1: So if we're split into multiple souls after we die, part of which goes to the afterlife and the rest stays in the goes into the new soul, then how are we reunited with our old family members because we wouldn't know them because we and they are now multiple, multiple different people.
0: Okay, so let's, let's, let's ho- hold that question. Let's hold that question and let's let's continue because there's still about two thirds of the class that we have to explore and and we'll see how we we'll see how we get there. Um, Irene, hold on one second. Irene, you had a question. Go ahead. Yeah. So, the, is there anything written um, in in Kabbalah that would um, that would say that? the new, the, the old sparks, that it, there has to be some kind of connection and anything written about the fact that this old sparks that did not complete would go to this new soul because of a specific thing. Is there any connection in between the, uh, 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 the, 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 the old sparks and the new soul and are there any cases in Cabana that have shown that, yes, the person does, I don't know if to say remember or, you know, um, gets a glimpse that, oh yeah, these these sparks are older. Great question. So, number one, usually it is, there. there is some sort of, well, not usually, there's always a connection God is running the world. God has the master plan. God is overseeing the whole deal. So there's certainly intentionality from God's perspective about which soul sparks go into which newly produced souls. Um, very often it is family. This is a reason why we name, and Jewish custom is to name children after family members that have passed on. One of the reasons for that is because if there's any, we, we, we wish that if there's anything that that soul didn't do we're going to keep it in the family and hopefully channel that channel those sparks and and bring a completion to that to our loved one if if they needed it so that's that's one thing but again you and i we don't write the script we just follow the script we're not the we're not the creators we're the creations or the creator we're the creations so so we only know what we know and sometimes it can appear random. Again, there's nothing random in God's plan, but sometimes it appears more random. Sometimes it appears more intuitive. Um, as far, that's, that's question number one. As far as, what, what was your question? What was the second question? My, my apologies for forgetting. Hold on, you're still muted. I think you answered both. So okay. The second one was that, yeah, you answered both. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. A two-for-one special. Okay, uh, Michael, question.
1: Yeah, I'm just about our souls originating from Sinai. Yeah. Because this is what I've always heard. And I was always under the impression it's the same soul. So is this just sparks of the original souls in Sinai? Yeah,
0: so we just had a text that talked about the 600,000 souls, root souls. So the, the, the souls, there were 600,000, well, general souls at Sinai that received the Torah. But all souls were there. All souls from other generations were at Sinai. 600,000 primary, but really all the souls throughout all the generations were there as, in other words, their unfolded state was found in their, if you will, concentrated state because everything is ultimately a branch from the original. If you want to think even more collectively, just think about Adam's soul. In text number two, we talked about Adam's soul. Adam is the first soul, which is the general soul, the neshama klalit, the general soul, that then includes all potential souls that will ultimately evolve from that one soul. So if you think biologically, right, how one person gives birth to another person or two parents produce, uh, uh, you know, a child, so that's not them. It's a new person. It's carrying some of their DNA or carrying some of their genetic Material, obviously, right? So that's a good example of reincarnation. It's a new creation, but it's carrying some of the original. Adam's soul is a collective soul. The 600,000 souls were collective souls. All of us today, pretty much, are reincarnated souls. You're pretty much not going to find a brand new soul. Oh, we still have one in the original hopper. Oh my gosh, pull it out of the warehouse. Let's get it back in. You're typically not getting a brand new soul in 2020. You're getting a soul that has layers of history on it, but at the same time, it's a brand new soul. This soul never existed. It has pieces from here, there, and the other throughout the generations, and it's, it's carrying a legacy, but it's its own thing. So, I mean, there's so many different, you know, analogies that I can give for this. We can talk about a relay race, right? You're carrying the baton of a previous runner. You're still a new runner. You're carrying on the race. Lap 4 of 10, it doesn't mean that you're not you. You're not lap 3 or lap 2 or lap 1. So we, there are so many examples in our human experience where you can be your own person with your own experience and yet have a connection to something prior. The question was asked, I, somebody asked the question somewhere. Is it? Oh, uh, Renna, you did ask this. Is it possible that we would remember the past experience, the past lives? The answer is yes. I was very careful to say typically we don't remember the past experience. It is absolutely possible. I know stories of individuals, of individuals and I've heard this firsthand from people that have memories and dreams and are able were, had moments where they would speak and dream in, in different languages. There's somebody that I know growing up from Pittsburgh who had a dream and was speak family was not at all a yiddish speaking family and this little girl woke up speaking, shouting in Yiddish. I mean, clearly something that was beyond any logical or rational explanation. Um, you know, was she reincarnated from someone who was, uh, you know, who perished in the Holocaust? Does that, is, that, is, that, is that a possibility? It's certainly a possibility. Could I definitively say that? No. Would I attempt to say that only in an indirect way in a class? Ah, huh? possibly. But anyway, I digress. The point of this is, that, Mark, is, Mark is, you're giving me a confused face. And I'm, I'm talking about it, but saying not to film but obviously telling the story. So my point is like this. My point is that typically we don't have clear recollections of the past because it is a new soul, but there's, there is there is information that is coming through. And if you can tune into it, you might get some some insight. But typically, it's meant to be a brand new experience. It's meant to be a brand new um, excursion. Now, let's take a look. Jewish every time that's a great question so Jewish souls have a specific Jewish mission which involved the six hundred thirteen Commandments so the difference between what we would call Jewish souls and souls that are not Jewish is is primarily in what constitutes its mission and purpose so for all mankind there are seven laws seven basic and seven includes many subcategories as well, but seven primary rules of engagement, rules of life, known typically in Jewish circles as the seven Noahide laws, the seven laws of Noach. Seven Noah, um, Shiva B'nei Noah. Seven Noahide laws. You ever hear the Gene Company, the Denner Company, seven for all mankind? That's where it comes from, seven for all mankind. In addition to that, or you know, on the other side, a Jewish soul, has 613 obligations. That's a pretty big list. Right? It's a lot more, which is why God asked, Are you sure you want this? And we said, Sure, yeah. In fact, God says, Do you want, uh, should we write this down? We said, Sure, we'll take two tablets. Anyway, the bottom line is that the Jewish soul has 613 obligations. So it would make sense that if there are certain elements of its purpose, that soul's purpose, that it did not yet fulfill, that it would be reincarnated in a similar context in a Jewish soul. Now, could things be reincarnated in a way that's less intuitive? Absolutely. Who am I to tell God what to do? But that's typically the way it's understood. And that's typically the way it unfolds. Um, okay, let's look bye at some... Bye, bye. Yes.
1: I have
0: a question. I, I, I want to say something. I'm noticing that this discussion is bringing out a lot of questions, which is fantastic. I'm, 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 I'm enjoying it. Adina Manka, go ahead. Oh, um, I intermarried. My children uh, are not, you know, 100% Jewish, so what is, what is their obligation? Uh, 305 obligations? So traditionally, traditionally, according to long-standing Jewish tradition dating all the way back to the times of Moses, Jewish lineage is attributed to the mother. It's a matrilineal thing, Um, that's traditionally. So if if a mother is Jewish, then the children have that Jewish mission. Um, If not, then somebody could always adopt the Jewish mission if they choose, that's what we call conversion. Somebody who says, I would like that mission, can adopt it and that becomes their, they, they gain that sole purpose. So I would say in the case of your children, you know, if you're Jewish, then your children have that Jew. Now, again, everyone makes their own choices. Everyone, you know, everyone lives their own life. So it, if far be it for, for me or for you, I'm, I can't speak for you, but I would probably venture to say we can't force our children or tell them what to be and how to be. They are who they are. But if you want to think about this from a traditional Jewish understanding and perspective, based on both Jewish law and Jewish mysticism, it's clear that they would have a Jewish mission, not a half mission, but a but a full on mission. So
1: converted to Christianity.
0: Yeah, and, and, and Ju- Jewish law would say you, some things you can't uh, you can't. Get rid of it is what it is. So I, I mean, in a good, in a, only in a only in a good way. So I, listen, he's stuck with it. What are you gonna do? I, I mean, you don't have to tell him this. I mean, you could, you could, you don't have to. I'm just telling you from a from a perspective of, of, of Jewish tradition. He, I, I, yeah, it's it's. You can call it what you wish, but you know, it's he's he's Jewish. Okay. Right. Now, yes, Morris.
1: Question. Is, sure. soul uh, gender specific.
0: Say it again. Is what? Oh, 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 good question. Excellent. Excellent question. I was going to mention this. I was. Well, I was. I was debating whether to mention this or not. You know, in Judaism, I mentioned six hundred thirteen commandments. Well, some are for men and some are for women. There are certain mitzvot that only apply to men, and certain that only and certain mitzvot that only apply to women. That's the fact of Judaism of Jewish law, which means that a soul would need to be reincarnated in order to fulfill the obligations of both genders, if that makes sense.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. And by the way, there are certain obligations that are only for a Kohen and only for a Levi and only for a Yisrael, three different classifications of Jews, which means, once again, that if a soul is meant to have, well, you know what? I'm skipping ahead now. Okay, the next text that we're going to cover talks about this. Every soul is meant to do all 613. Every Jewish soul, at least, is meant to do all 613 commandments, which requires a male to be reincarnated. In other words, which would require to have both genders and also go move across that Kohen, Levi, Yisrael, um, uh, um, you know, I don't know, architecture as well, um, construct so that it has the opportunity to hit all of those spaces. But you know what? This, I think, directly leads, this is a good segue. Let me share my screen once more, and let's look at some more text because this is really important material to read inside. Let's. Um, the
1: components, the 613, the same as the sparks to which you earlier referred?
0: Yeah, but, there, but, this, but it's, not one per, it's not one for one. There are many gradations of the 613. But let's look at it inside. We have it right here. Text number three. I'm only going to do the first paragraph here. The connection of the soul to God is compared to a cord comprising 613 strands. The soul is compared to a cord, for it is the soul that connects man to God. The 613 strands are the 613 faculties of the soul. So that tells us about the number 613. Um, uh, Take a look at... Let's skip text 4. Let's go to text 5, because 4 is... Four is a little bit longer. Five really cuts to the point that I want to share right now. This is again from Rabbi Chaim Vital, who is a student of the Arizal. Furthermore, look what he says. You must know that every person must fulfill all the 613 mitzvot in action, speech, and thought. If a soul does not fulfill all 613 mitzvot, It is reincarnated until it completes them all. Now, is this 613, is it one spark per mitzvah? You could look at it that way. One strand, one spark per mitzvah. But like I said a moment ago, and what I've been trying to say tonight is, it's a little bit more subtle than that. There's a lot of different things that we're meant to do in addition to the core 613. Moreover, let's continue back inside. You must know that every person must study all four of the Torah's dimensions. Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Sod, which, look at the parentheses there, refer to the literal, um, the illusion, the exegetic and the mystical dimensions of Torah study, and is reincarnated until this is accomplished. So we have to do all 630 mitzvot, and we have to study all four of the Torah's dimensions. Um, and study the whole Torah on all four dimensions in order for the soul's mission again, this is, these are Jewish souls, to be completed. So what happens, again, if a person doesn't finish? Alright, no problem. Whatever you finished, you finished, And that's good. And you're gonna bask in divine light. You're gonna enjoy it even better than, uh, than the Bahamas. You're gonna have a wonderful time. At the same time, you'll have an opportunity to finish with the unfinished business. That's the way it is. Alright, now, so, it, but again, I just want to clarify, in addition to the 613, there are particulars, right? Specific things. Maybe you have to help someone out in life. Maybe your mission was to help so-and-so. And they came to you and you dropped the ball. Well, this is going to have to happen again. There's, you, got, you, you, you got to finish this, uh, this job. So, it might not be a cookie-cutter mitzvah like... You know, wrapped tefillin, put on a mezuzah, eat a kosher meal, um, observe Shabbat, eat some matzah, hear the shofar, light the Hanukkah menorah, which is a rabbinic mitzvah. It, it might not be so, well, it is all that, plus a lot of subtle points along the way. And all of that constitute our mission. So we do we do the main stuff. We do the, the, the subtle stuff. We do as much as we can. The soul ha- gets what it gets. In other words, it enjoys what it enjoys. It goes through what it goes through. And the rest rolled over into a new soul, which carries over some of the mission. Take a look. Let me share one more text Um, for this section. This is number six. Take a look at this Um, from the Code of Jewish Law, Laws of Torah Study. Really, really powerful. The sages of the true wisdom. That means the mystics. But this is written in the Code of Jewish Law but it quotes Kabbalah. So, James, this, uh, this is a crossover text. The sages of the true wisdom also taught that in order to, per- to perfect itself, every soul must engage in all the parts of the Torah according to its capacity to comprehend and perceive. Any person with the potential to comprehend and perceive much, but due to indolence, laziness, Comprehended and perceived only little must reincarnate until he comp- comprehends and perceives everything that a soul can comprehend and perceive in the knowledge of the Torah. This includes the pshat, Remez, Drush, and Sod. We said this before. For whatever the soul can comprehend and perceive in the knowledge of the Torah consummates its perfection. It cannot reach consummate perfection in the bond of life, God, and the source from which it is hewn without this knowledge. Take a look at this final sentence, which is or final paragraph, which is beautiful. Therefore, our sages declared... Happy is he who arrives here to paradise, to Gan Eden, in the spiritual realms, with Talmud with his knowledge in his hand, so that he will not have to reincarnate and descend again to this material world. So our sages say, if you did your job, fantastic. You know why? Because then you're done. And now you get to enjoy. If not... Not, not, not so done. It doesn't mean the whole soul has to come back. We've established that before. It doesn't mean that your soul is now ripped away from any sort of rest and sent back to start from scratch, a redo. No, that's not what happens. All of the parts of the soul, all of the soul sparks, all the components, all the strands, all the points of light that have been, you know, perfected, and are, are now in a good place where they need to be, but the rest needs to, be, needs, to be, uh, needs to be attained. So, happy is he who arrives here with his knowledge in hand. If you come with the, the knowledge of the whole Torah, then you know you're good to go. The Torah, is a lot, there's a lot of stuff to study. So, we, we, we usually need a few incarnations to get, the, to get this going. All right, so now I'm going to stop share, and I want to share with you some specifics. Because all that we've said so far is still fairly general, in general terms, we spoke about mission and purpose and reincarnation and fulfilling purpose, and we spoke in generality 630 mitzvot, different sparks. But what are some specific grounds for reincarnation? What are some specific instances that would, let's say, require or induce reincarnation? What are specific elements that might be lacking in a soul's mission? that would necessitate the grafting and generating of a brand new soul spark to have its own thing, but also carry on some of the previous missions. So I want to give you four examples cited in the Kabbalistic text. There are many, many, many different reasons why a soul might be reincarnated. Here are four specific categories, and my hope is that as I share these four categories with you, this, this concept will crystallize and will make more and more sense. Let's begin with the first example. The first example, again, a specific example that would require a soul to be reincarnated is in the case of unrectified sin, where the soul, a new soul needs to be generated so that it can repair a sin, a mistake of the previous soul. They tell a story. Each category, I'm just giving you an overview of what I'm going to do now. I'm going to share with you four categories of reincarnation, and each one is going to come with a story. So if you like stories, perfect. If you like reincarnation, fantastic. If you like learning, perfect. Win, win, win. All right, so buckle up or sit back, relax, and enjoy. They tell a story about a man, wealthy man, who once visited the great and holy Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement. And he comes to the Baal Shem Tov synagogue, he comes to his court, and he says, Rabbi, Rabbi, please share with me a good word. Share something inspiring with me. I want to be inspired, Rabbi. Baal Shem Tov says, I don't really have a Torah insight for you. He was expecting a Torah insight an insight of inspiration. He says, I don't really have a Torah insight for you, but I'd like to share with you a story. And the man says, he's a little bit disappointed. You know, he's used to getting what he asks for. He is, after all, a pretty prominent and wealthy individual. But the Baal Shem Tov says, story? All right, he'll hear a story. Baal Shem Tov says, there were once upon a time, two friends. And these friends were so close. One day... The friend, one friend, we'll call him friend A, um, experienced a setback in his business, and he lost everything. Not just a setback, he was devastated. A bad turn of fortune. You know the wheel of fortune turns, right? Some, like a Ferris wheel, sometimes you're on top, and then sometimes it goes another direction. So this man found himself at the bottom of the wheel of fortune. And he went to his friend, Friend B, right? So we have A and B. So A has a rough time, going through a rough time financially. He turns to friend B. Friend B says, no problem. No problem. I'll give you half of what I, of what I own. Half of my assets, half of my estate. With love and pleasure, I'll give you half of what I have to you. Support yourself, your family, invest in a new business. That's it. We've always been together as friends. Take half. My brother, my friend. This man is so overjoyed, so overawed, so incredibly filled with with gratitude. He thanks his friend, he takes half of his assets, and he continues with his life. Well, he's able to turn his life around, his fortune around, and now he finds himself at the top very successful, very wealthy, very rich. Well, you know, I mentioned before, the wheel keeps on turning. Friend B, who gave away half of his money, now finds himself struggling. He now finds himself in an impoverished state. So what does he do? He goes to his friend, friend A. Now, return the favor. He says, now I'm in a hard spot. I'm in a rob. I, I, I lost everything. Can you help me out, brother, my friend? And what does person A say? Can't help you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you have to go somewhere else for help. He says, what? What? Don't you remember I helped you? He says, listen, you did a good deed. I'm I'm under no obligation. Remember, this is a few years later now. I'm under no obligation to help you. Find someone else. I can't help you. He could have helped him. But he says, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Completely not compassionate. Completely not reciprocating the kindness of the first fellow. When he hears his friend who he gave half of his money to tell him no, he is so shocked that friend B collapses, has a heart attack, and dies. Well, soon after, person A also dies. And now they're both standing before the heavenly court. And the heavenly court decrees and declares severe purgatory. You need a lot of cleansing for person A, the uncompassionate, ungrateful friend, and a lot of wonderful reward for person B, who was willing to give half of what he owned to help the other guy when he was in need. And that's what the court decrees. Bad news for this guy, good news for the other guy. But the hero of our story is not done yet. Like he did on earth, he does in heaven. And immediately he pipes up to the heavenly court. And what do you think he says? I'm going to give, what does he say? Half of my merits to my good friend to make his journey a little bit easier. Just like he did on earth, This friend has not lost his touch. Person B has not missed a beat, right? He is, he's right back at it. And he's back generous with love and and, and, and just, just friendship and compassion. And he says, take half of my merits, give it to that guy. I want him to be in a good place. The heavenly court now is shocked. They've never seen this happen before. The guy that rejected him the guy that turned him down after all that. He has a heart attack and now still he wants to give away his merits and rescue him. The court says, we don't even know what to do now. This is mind-blowing. This is mind-blowing. So the court decides, look, here's what we're going to do. This is, this, is too, this is too wild to like make any decree right now. We're going to send both of these souls back unfinished business, grafting a new soul, whatever it is, like we explained, but these souls on some form need to come back because of this unfinished business. And what has to happen now is person A, who was the ingrate, right, he didn't pay it back, he's gonna come back as a wealthy guy. Person B is gonna come back as a poor guy, and at some point in their lives they're gonna cross paths, and person A is gonna have the opportunity for Tikkun, to fix that missed opportunity to give person B what he needs. Are you with me on this story? Yes? So indeed, they send back soul A, soul A or not again, not recycling, but grafting, you know, generating. So, okay, but we have the unfulfilled mission. The, the blemish, if you will, of person A and the ask of person B is now back on earth. And what happens? At some point in their lives, the the poor person, the poor man finds his way at the rich man's door, knocks on the door, and he asks for food. He asks for food. And at this point, that soul, a person A, is given a second chance to make good on repaying person B for his kindness. In this new incarnation, this is the second chance. What does he do? The rich person slams the door in the poor man's face. And the poor man, from hunger and shock, dies. The Bashemtev is now finishing this tale. This is all the story that the Bashemtev told to a rich man. And now the rich man's face is white as a sheet. And right now he is trembling because he knows, he knows that just the other day, a poor man knocked on his door. And he slammed the door in that poor man's face. And that poor man died. And he told himself, not my problem, not my business. Could have gone anywhere. I didn't have anything for him. It's not my fault, not my responsibility. But now he was just told that this was his whole purpose of being or one of his core purposes of being to rectify that sin of not paying back his friend in that previous lifetime. And now the Baal Shem Tov is looking at the man, and the man turns to the Vahenv and says, "That was me. I didn't even think twice about it." And he cries, bitter tears, and he tells the Vahenv, he asks him, "Is my soul lost forever? Is that it? I had a second chance. Is that it? Am I done?" Vahenev says, "There's still a second chance, or a third chance. You have to take care of the widow, take care of the orphans, engage in fasting and prayer, and never benefit from your wealth, personally, for the rest of your life. Give it." To others, give it away and use it for a good cause. Never benefit from it for the rest of your life. That was the story of the Baal Shem Tov. What the Baal Shem Tov told this rich man who came to him and said, can you tell me something, a good vart, a good a good insight. Told him the story, which was absolutely directed to him, and he took a life lesson from it. The, more, the reason why I'm sharing this story, powerful story, um, is because it highlights a factor in reincarnation, which is to rectify a blemish that the soul has incurred or had incurred in its uh, prior incarnation on earth. So this is an unrectified sin that a new soul or a newly generated soul has the opportunity to correct, to rectify, and repair. Second example, example, that's category number one. Category number two is a missed mitzvah. When a soul misses out on a mitzvah opportunity. So, let me share with you my screen once again. This is going to be text number seven. This is from a book called Gilgulei Neshamot, which means reincarnation of souls. Rabbi Menachem Azaria Fano, another Kabbalist. He says like this, Deborah, the prophetess, she was one of the great Jewish leaders the times of the early, the early years of Jewish life in the land of Israel. Um, Deborah, the prophetess, was a reincarnation of Tzipora, the wife of our teacher Moses. May he rest in peace. Because at the time that the Jewish people sang praises to God at the sea, she, Tzipora, was not with them, and she was pained by this. So what it says in this book, in this, this great work on reincarnation, is that Moses' wife, remember Moses came down to Egypt... To, uh, to take the people out by God's command, but he didn't take his family with him. He left his family back home in Midian. God sent him to, to Egypt. He came down with his brother Aaron, but he left his family back home. Well, when the Jews left Egypt and crossed the sea, she, his wife and kids, they were not with him. And so she missed, Sipporah, his wife, missed out on the opportunity to sing praise to God for the splitting of the sea. So the Kabbalists say that Deborah the prophetess was a reincarnation, the reincarnated soul of Zipporah, Moses' wife. And she had an opportunity, we don't have time to go into the story, but Deborah was very much involved in the downfall of one of the fierce Canaanite generals who was uh, a, a, an incredibly antagonistic force and thorn at the Jewish side. whose name was Sisra. So Deborah was very much involved in his downfall in, bringing, in, in in ending his reign of terror against the Jewish people. And in the aftermath of that, Deborah sings a song, a shira, a song to God, a song of praise. And her sages say that was her fulfilling or filling or having, um, having the opportunity to complete the missing experience of singing a song of praise to, uh, to God. And uh, along these lines, I want to share with you another story from the Baal Shem Tov. There was once a childless couple that came to the Baal Shem Tov asking for a blessing to have children. As there's no many stories of people who couldn't have children who came to the Baal Shem Tov to ask for a blessing. By the way, this is not only about the Baal Shem Tov, but great tzaddikim, who have the power to bless. So this is a common uh, category of blessings that, that, that they're asked to bless. So this is not an exception. This is uh, one of the many examples of this. The Baal Shem Tov, at first... Um, says that he, does the, he didn't want to give them a blessing. They're very persistent. He relents. He gives them a blessing and nine months later or whatever, a year later, they're blessed with a baby boy. And they're overjoyed. But on the on the boy's second birthday, he passes away suddenly. Out of nowhere, he passes away. It's a tragedy. And his parents come back to the Baal Shem Tov, and this time, they're angry. They're mourning, but they're also very angry. They said, look, we didn't have children. We didn't have a child. We begged. We asked. You gave us a blessing. We had a child. The joy of our lives. And, and, and now at two years old, he's taken away. What kind of blessing is that? What kind of blessing? In fact, had we known this, <laughs> who says we would have chosen this? You know, what kind of blessing is this? More pain than when we started. The Baal says, let me tell you a story. There was once a king Uh, not a Jewish king, once a king who didn't have children. And he very much wanted to have children. And he knew that his Jewish population, he knew that they had connections, right? The Jews always have connections. So he said to the Jewish community, he said, you have to pray for me, the king, and for my wife, the queen, that we should have a child. And if not, then it's going to be bad. It's going to be uh, bad for the Jewish people. In other words, you better start praying or else right? Holding them accountable for their prayers. And so the Jewish community had no option but to pray. So now the Jewish prayers are going up on behalf of the king. So in heaven, they're, they're responding. So which soul are they going to send to the king? The king was not necessarily the greatest individual, you know, the most holy individual, but they got to send. So one brave soul says, I volunteer. I volunteer to be sent down to the king and queen that are not the most righteous of people, but I'll take one for the team to save the Jewish people, to save this community. I'm going. I'm in. Count me in. The soul is sent down. And it comes down and the king and queen are overjoyed and the Jewish community is spared, obviously. This child, even as as an infant, is a prodigy. Just a genius. Already at the age of two, there's a special tutor hired for for the prince right? It just off the charts, brilliant and, and smart and wise, well beyond his years. And the teacher is a, a living teacher. The king hires the teacher. That's it. You're living in the palace 24-7 or whatever. You're, you're, the whole day, you're with the, with the prince, teaching, educating, guiding, mentoring, the whole deal. This teacher was a renowned teacher, and the teacher spent so much time with the, with the prince, but there was one hour a day in which the teacher said, "It's my, my private time." He would lock himself in his room and wouldn't come out for one hour a day. every, every day, one hour a day. The prince was very curious about this. What's, what's this one-hour business? What happens? And he asked the, the tutor, the tutor said, "No, I'm not, uh, it's, it's private. I'm not going to Anyway, again and again, day after day, month after month, maybe even year after year, maybe not year after year, but for a long time, this, uh, the prince is asking about the whereabouts and the doings, uh, or not the whereabouts, but the doings of, 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 of his teacher. Finally, finally, one day, the prince sneaks into the private room before the teacher gets there. Somehow he sneaks into the room, and, um, and he sees, you know, as the, as, the, as the teacher enters. Oh, I'm sorry, the teacher was a priest. The teacher was a priest, not just the teacher, he was a priest. He sees the priest take off his priestly garments, or his uh, priestly garments, that sounds like the coming up, takes off his, uh, you know, priest garb, and he puts on a prayer shawl and black boxes, very strange and unusual. So the, the, the prince comes out of his hiding spot and says, not, I got you, but what, what, what is this? The priest realizes that his, the, the, you know, his, the, the gig is up or whatever it is, his, the ruse is up, and he has to come clean so he says look i'm a jew but in this part of in this part of town I, I can't i can't go around as jewish so i, I masquerade as a priest and whatever it is but you know, I, I, at heart i'm i'm a jew i uh, you know so and so one one hour a day i do jewish prayers and, and the jewish commandments maybe he said he was forced to convert at some point you know historically there are many times when jews were forced to convert he said he was forced to convert but he's really a jew anyway um the the prince is now enthralled about his teachers judaism but the priest's judaism he says teach me about judaism he says no he says you have to or else i'm going to tell because now he has dirt on him or information on him he relents and he starts teaching him about judaism and now the teachings take on a new dimension this young prince is now so enthralled about Judaism, eventually, eventually, you know, after a little while, um, the, the, they, they, they both disappear in the middle of a night, and uh, the, the, the prince converted to Judaism, and the priest, they moved to a different town, a different land, where he was able to practice Judaism. They both practiced Judaism, and he lived happily ever after. Well, when that prince passed away and went to heaven, they looked at his remarkable life and said, look, this young man who was so passionate about, so wise and passionate and brilliant, special soul, it just all of the merits in the world this, this, this prince had, um, prince turned Jew had. But one thing, for the first two years of his life, he was born and raised in a state of, uh, of impurity, not a, not a wholesome environment. They said for the soul to be fully fulfilled, like we said before about missing sparks, that part of the soul shall come back. Part of the soul shall come back. And Ba'a Tov said, you were chosen. You were dedicated. You were so committed to being parents. You, you were chosen to be the ones to raise a soul that only had two years of mission, that only had to fulfill two years of mission on this earth. And that is why your son passed away at two years of, two years of age, because that is, that, that is the only that's all of the mission that it needed to fulfill. At least in this case, that was the totality of its, of its mission. Again, that's an example of a story of not rectifying something negative, but fulfilling something that was perhaps missed out on positive. There was another two years that were missed in a holy environment, so here it had a holy environment. Next, I'll give you two more cases of reincarnation, and we're going to close out today's lesson. I have more stories but it may take a little bit too long, so we may have to cut the stories a little bit short. The next example is a case where reincarnation, where a soul, is in, thank you, where a soul is intended to guide another soul. The soul lives its life, but it it didn't. It didn't um, for some reason it didn't fully help or benefit someone that it had to help or benefit. So it comes back to. Uh, to fulfill its mission. Like the example um, once again with, uh, with the Baal Shem Tov, there was a man, uh, 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 an old tailor who lived in Safed in the 1500s. In 1573, um, and one night in 1570, the year 1573, Elijah the prophet appears to this old tailor and says to him, I need you to tell me what you did on the day of your bar mitzvah because it generated such light in heaven. You did something remarkable, but no one knows what it is. got to tell me. Give me the scoop. What happened? The, this, this old man, this old tailor says to the bash. it says to the soul of Elijah the prophet, you know, the one who visits by every Brit Milah and Seder, drinks a little wine and then bounces. So says to Elijah the prophet, um, what I did, I only did for God. I will not tell you what I did. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's was for God, what I did in my Bar So, you're not getting the scoop. He says, no, I'll, I promise you reward this and that. He says, no, you're not getting any information. Fine, so he leaves. Well, in heaven now, now he has another merit because he didn't, he didn't divulge it you know, for an easy, uh, easy promise of reward. So now Elijah sent back to this, to this man and he's told that he's supposed to teach him the, big, the secrets of Torah. And so Elijah the prophet comes back to teach this old tailor the Jewish mysticism, the secrets, the Kabbalah, the secrets of Torah, every night, and he does so for the rest of his life. Now, this tailor passes away, and we know he has a lot of light and a lot of merits, and now he has Jewish mystical wisdom under his belt, but there's one thing that he didn't accomplish, and that is he never taught others. He never shared that with others. Well, fast forward the year 1768, a few hundred years later, there's a, a young boy is born, a, a baby is born, baby boy is born. His name is Yisrael. He will become known as the Baal Shem Tov. And on his 26th birthday, the spirit of another great teacher, the teacher of Elijah the prophet himself, back in his lifetime, a fellow known as Achia HaShiloni, comes and reveals, starts revealing the secrets of Torah to the Baal Shem Tov when the Baal Shem Tov turns 26. At, on his thirty-sixth birthday, ten years later, Achiah HaShiloni, his teacher, who was also the teacher again of Elijah the Prophet back in the day, Achiah Shiloni tells him, Now it's your time to reveal yourself, to teach others, to spread your knowledge and wisdom to the whole world, to teach Hasidic philosophy and, and Jewish mysticism. Bashemtiv says, I don't want to. I want to stay quiet. I, I don't I don't need the PR, I don't need the publicity. And Achiah Shiloni proceeds to proceeds to tell him. The story that I just told you about the old tailor who did something special, was visited by Elijah, didn't divulge a secret. Elijah taught him the secrets of Torah, subsequently passed away without giving others and guiding others. And because of that, his soul, it was decided, at least, or an offshoot of his soul, should come back and should not only study the same secrets, but should have the opportunity, finally, finally, in this incarnation, to spread it to others. Achi Shiloni turns to the Tov and says, this is your fate, you need to do this. Baal Tov agrees and of course teaches the world and the rest is history. We're still studying the teachings of the Baal Tov to this very day. Finally, the last piece of it, could, the last example that I'll give is the example of somebody or the instance of somebody who perhaps misses out on a soulmate and is given the opportunity in, in reincarnated form, of course not recycled soul but a, a branched soul, to, uh, to, to connect with that soulmate um, yet once again, or not once again, but or you know, to, to make up for that missed opportunity. And there are stories about that, but we don't have time in tonight's session. Um, the last point I want to mention right before we close out today's class is getting back to a point, the theme that we focused on before, which is, okay, so we get it. Reincarnate. We're all, we're, all of us are reincarnated, which means we have new stuff to do, plus... Some unfinished business. How do we know what our mission is? Whether it's the new stuff or whether it's the old stuff. How do we know? I'll give you a very simple formula. And I mentioned this before, but I'll I'll, I'll, I'll add on to it a little bit now. Very simple formula. Whatever you're drawn to and whatever you find challenging. So if you find yourself drawn toward a mitzvah, that's your mitzvah. If you find yourself pulled away from a mitzvah. In other words, it's very challenging for you to do. Guess what? Guess what? That's also your mission. I want to share with you a letter that will blow you away, I think. It blew me away. This is a letter that the Rebbe wrote. Oh, text number eight. I'm going to paraphrase. The Rebbe writes in Hayom Yom, which is a thought for each day in the Jewish calendar, that God guided... guided The Torah says that God guided Abraham's journey. God also guides our journey to... Let me read it. Ever since God told our father Abraham, go from your land, and it's written, Abraham kept traveling southward, so we have the beginning of the mystery of rectifying the sparks. By decree of divine providence, people travel to the place where the sparks that they must purify await their redemption. So on on a basic level, where you are, where you find yourself... There's probably something to do there. If you're delayed or something happens unusual, you know this, there's something for you to do there. If you take a detour, there's something for you to do there. That's why you're there. It's not by accident. There was one time uh, somebody asked the Rebbe for for a blessing of of healing because they were in the hospital. They wanted to get out of the hospital. The Rebbe said, if you're in the hospital, it means not that you're sick. It means that there's a mission that you need to accomplish in the hospital. There's some... There's a spark that's waiting to be redeemed in that in that hospital. So do your work, fulfill your mission, and then you can go. That's it. The only reason why you're there is to do what you need to do. So do your job, and then that's it. You'll heal. You'll get healed and better. Um, take a look at text number nine, Rabbi the Ramak, Rabbi Moshe Caravero, a great Kabbalist. He says it is it is impossible to deduce or intuit whether one possesses a reincarnated soul or not, unless one is a recipient of a mystical tradition in this regard. In other words, unless you know because you're told by a mystic, you don't know. If you wonder... How then will we know the purpose for which we entered this world? Which mitzvah we need to scrupulously perform, or which transgression we must especially avoid? In other words, there's got, got to be a trigger mitzvah or a trigger sin, something that we definitely need to do or stay away from at all costs that speaks to our purpose. So, how do we know? The answers to these questions are naturally ingrained in us, we feel a natural affinity. And longing to do a certain mitzvah, or our inclination will work especially hard to entice us to do that sin which we stumbled on in the past incarnation. And along those lines, here's the letter that I was referencing, and this is the last text for tonight—a letter that our rebbe, the seventh Lubavitcher rebbe, wrote. It's published in his book, in his books of correspondences. There are multiple dozens of volumes of his recorded letters that he wrote to people um, um, around the world. Uh, for various questions, listen to this. This is the Rebbe's answer. We don't have the original letter, but this is what the Rebbe wrote to this fellow. You tell me you are giving the proper amount of tzedakah. However, your shalom bayit, which is family harmony, peace at home, harmony, and family relationships, situation needs great improvement. So, the is basically repeating what this guy wrote to him. You told me that you're good with tzedakah, but struggling with relationships and peace and harmony. The fact that you're having great difficulties in this area is a sign that this mitzvah has not been completed in your previous life. Are you with me on this? The Rebbe tells him, this is prob, if I, if I had to, if my, my, I believe this is a case where this is about a husband and a wife that the, you know, the relationship was not, uh, was not at that point so, so well. So he, the Rebbe writes to him, the fact that you're having difficulty in your marriage is a sign that this is your purpose. The holy Arizal teaches us that most souls living in a body have been here before. The reason they come back again is to fulfill those mitzvot that they did not properly do the first time around. Those mitzvot that they did complete in their previous lifetime do not require any more refinement, and therefore their observance is easy. However, those mitzvot that one did not complete in their previous lifetime are the ones most difficult to do. The negative inclination, the eight targets these non-completed mitzvot as the ones to oppose the most. The fact that the issue of Shalom Bayit, peace in the house, is, d- is so difficult for you, Proves that it is a mitzvah which needs fulfillment. In your past lifetime, you did not refine this mitzvah. Now is your opportunity. Wow! All I can say, whenever I read that letter, is wow. Imagine being told by a on the caliber of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, that literally—I mean, not the totality of your mission, but that a big piece of it is this challenge right now. So yeah, you wanna, th- you wanna throw in the cards, you wanna give up, you wanna like toss it in. Okay, maybe that's the passive least resistance, but what is the purpose of your life, of your soul? The purpose of your soul right now is to fight for this relationship, is to do whatever you can to make it work. Hearing that, I mean, how, how, how would you not invest anything and everything in your power to make it work? So. With that being said, this is, uh, I think, again, a powerful lesson in in the context of where we are in today's session. The reason why I bring it in now is to tell us that uh, how do we know what our purpose is, whatever you find particularly challenging or particularly uh, uh, calling to you. If it's calling to you, do it. If it's challenging, definitely do it. Because if it's challenging, it means that that's something that could be left over from a previous lifetime and, and, de- and requires your attention now. I want to conclude with this. The Baal Shem Tov said that a soul might come down into this world for 70 or 80 years. I'm quoting him almost verbatim, but in, in English as opposed to Yiddish. A soul comes down into this world for 70 or 80 years, and it might just be to do one favor for another, whether a spiritual favor or even a physical favor. Lending something, giving something to the, whatever it is, cooking a meal for someone, we don't know, you and I don't know. But what we do know is that we can't afford to let opportunities slip on by. We cannot afford to just be careless and just, you know, think that it, nothing matters and, 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 and nothing is important or that, you know, all, all, all is good. It's, we're here for a purpose and every Mitzvah opportunity that comes our way, we have to collect it's not about collecting, but it's about. I don't, I, could, I, could, I don't want to use a word that that reduces it, right? It's about doing as much as we can, and and doing as much good as we can, and avoiding as much of the negative as we can. Are we going to be perfect? No. King Solomon writes, "There is no um, there's no righteous person on the face of the earth that only does good and doesn't do anything a little bit lacking." Everyone has, you know, moments of weakness, certainly. But we have to capitalize. It's our mandate to do everything we can. And not just for our own sake. Not just so that, you know, it'll make it easier on our ultimate reincarnation. Maybe we won't have to reincarnate because we'll get everything done. It's not only because of that. It's because, like I mentioned before, we're in the relay race. We were handed the baton and we're running. We're running. We're running that lap, that long lap of life. But you know who's in the stands? All of the prior souls of all the prior generations. First of all, even unrelated, they're cheering us on. But imagine the ones, those that held the sparks that are now in us and they're looking at us, at you and at me and saying one chant, don't drop the baton, don't drop the baton. Keep on running. Don't sell out who you are. Don't lose your identity. Don't disregard your purpose. Keep on carrying that torch. Be proud of who you are. Do as many mitzvot as you can. Study as much as you can. Study as much Torah as you can. But the main thing is to make a difference in this world. To be kind, to be generous, to be giving, to be loving. And to do the mitzvot as God has asked us to do. It's not just for us. It's not just for what will happen next, but it's also for those who came before. If this isn't Jewish guilt, I don't know what is. But I don't mean it as I don't mean it, but I don't mean it as a layer of guilt. I mean it as a reality. I mean it as a reality. We're running the lap. We're in the game. That's it. You're on the field. You're on the field. We can't can't let them down. We can't let ourselves down. We have to keep on running and keep on doing. Don't let an opportunity pass you by. How many opportunities do we have anyway? It's a finite number. The clock is ticking. Let's, let's, uh, as I told you at the beginning of the class, the lesson of reincarnation is gonna be a lesson in how we live our life right now. This is not about what happens next, although it is information about what happens next, but it's about what happens right now. Don't let the sparks pass you by. Your, your Mario, Super Mario brothers, collect all the coins. Don't leave anything behind. Are you going to be perfect? No. But try your best. I'll try my best. And together, together, let's make something magical happen. Thank you very much for joining me tonight for lesson number three of Reincarnation. Thank you very much for joining me tonight for lesson three of Reincarnation. I did that twice. Just, just for kicks. Just for kicks. Um, so thank you for joining me. It looks like Reva wants to join and say goodbye to everybody. Reva, say hi. Hi. Ellie, come. Ellie, come the other side. Come. We got the kids. The kids representing. Hold on. We got one more. We got Ellie. Solish. These are the two. These are the two kids that are still home. These are the only two that haven't left us for greener pastures. So it's us and the little ones. So we're very happy. Oh, oh, so cute. Oh, so cute. <laughs> Whoa, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of intense hugging happening. All right, let me get, let me get in and, and close it out before, before it gets a little too intense with the hugs um, and someone gets hurt. So here's the bottom line. Uh, no, not the bottom line. So today's class was about reincarnation. Next week. Next week, stay tuned, for a class on, guys, I'll get in the frame, for a class on, this is a class on the resurrection of the dead. That's coming up next week, same bad time, same bad channel, join join us for that, Um, I can't wait to see you there. We're going to talk about what is reincarnation, not, not reincarnation, what is the resurrection, what does it mean, what's the purpose, how does it work? You know, which, can we choose what age we come back, what body we come back in? You know, like, how does that work? We'll talk about all these things, and what differentiates the resurrection of the dead from, from paradise. If paradise is good for the soul, if the soul gets its completion at some point, so why does it have to come back in a body? It seems like we went through all of the steps, and finally, got a complete body, got a complete soul, or got it back lit up. So now what? Now it comes back in another body, or in a body again, resurrection of the dead. What's the point? All right, what's the point as she holds up a toothpick? So, you're such a comedian. What's the point? Without even knowing it. Anyway, so that's all. You like that? So that's all next week. Join me then, same bad time, same bad channel. Lila Tov. I know I didn't get to all the questions, I really wanted to make sure to cover as much of the material with my hope, with hopes that it would cover as much questions as possible. If you still have questions, please reach out. I will do my best to answer them in a prompt fashion. All right. I'm going to get these guys to sleep. You guys have a wonderful night. We'll see you tomorrow. Daily Power Parshat 12. Um, Tomorrow night, Torah Studies, all about uh, moving to the rhythm of the moon. We'll talk about that tomorrow night at 7.30, Torah Studies. Also, breaking news. We'll send out an email tomorrow, hopefully. We're having a film screening next week, online film screening of a beautiful film um, called The Rabbi Goes West. It's a film about a Chabad rabbi who moves from Brooklyn to Montana and it's unbelievable, but here's the kicker. You're ready, here's the kicker. Some of you may have seen it at the Atlanta Film Festival. But first of all, now, you'll be able to see it online, directly from the filmmakers, because I'm getting this straight from the filmmakers. And to boot, after the film screening, which you're going to have 72 hours to watch, after that, we're going to follow it up with an event exclusive with the rabbi himself, with the rabbi who went west. Rabbi Chaim Brook will be live with us on a Zoom event doing discussion and Q&A, all the questions that you might have about the movie, will have a live broadcast. This is free and open to everybody. We have a limited number of spaces. The filmmakers have like a like a, a set, oh sorry, have a set capacity on the on the viewing, like it's password protected access. So we have a limited number of spots. As soon as you see the email, please register for it. And you'll get the link for it. There'll be a window, 72 hours to watch. Go to the website. It's I think on Vimeo, password protected, you'll watch it, and then after, after everyone finishes with the screenings and watchings at their, own, you know, at their own leisure within that window, then we'll have the follow-up event or the, the finale of the event, which is the, um, a Q&A, the live Q&A discussion with the, uh, with the rabbi. So you don't want to miss this. Stay tuned for The Rabbi Goes West and The Rabbi Goes Awesome. All right, that's it. That's it for tonight. Right. We'll see you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Bye, all.